Antelope stewardship. If you weren't here last week, we talked about being stewards of our gifts, right? The things We talked about being stewards of our relationships because we're relational beings. And we talked about being stewards of our relationship with God. So today we're going to talk about three things that are very influential in our everyday life and our afterlife. Time, money, eternity. Outside of our relationship, we, we really honed in on family last Last week, and again, this is not one of those rah rah re series, you know, like because you know me, I love to just preach. This is more teaching, but it's where we live. There's not a person in this room this week that was was not late somewhere, (laughs) right? Because the clock. There's not a person in this room this week that didn't have to deal with money, right? And. There shouldn't be a person in this room today that's not thought about eternity. So, so cantaloupe stewardship. So if you go to Romans 14, 12, and we'll, we'll skip around a little bit today. I've got a lot of scriptures. But this is what we base the series off of. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Dang, that's scary. Think about that just for a second. Every message I preach up here, three times on Sunday, whatever my motive is, I'm going to give an account for that. Every time I hit the drums, every time I stroke a guitar, every time I say something to my spouse, every... Oh, that's, that's hard. That's very hard. But it's true because it's in the Bible. I'm, I'm going to give an account of myself. I'm going to stand before God and He's going to say, Jason, give an account for what I, what I gave you. See, like I always say, God's gift to us is our life. What we do with our life is our gift to God. Right? And so, and then if you look at 2 Corinthians 9 6, talking about stewardship, remember this whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. So, wherever you're sowing, whatever area of your life, whatever things that you're sowing into, you're going to reap out of those. If you're sowing into addiction, you're going to reap hurt. If you're sowing into hatred, you're going to reap anger. If you're sowing into your kids in a loving way, one day they'll stop being aliens and they'll come back and they'll be okay. <laughs> so so the, the title of this series is Cantaloupe Stewardship. And so i got a cantaloupe here. And what's inside a cantaloupe? Cantaloupe. <laughs> so all the people who said cantaloupe were here last week. Yeah. The, the, those of you who said seeds, you weren't here. You just, you just told on yourself right there, baby. Yeah. I can't help myself. My good. Yes, it's, it's cantaloupe's inside there, but that's why it's called a cantaloupe. But also, you see what that is? Those are seeds. So, if I love cantaloupe, and I open me a cantaloupe up, and I eat the whole thing, and next week I want another cantaloupe, guess what? I don't get another cantaloupe. Because I didn't take part of the cantaloupe. We'll talk about this when we talk about tithing. I didn't take part of the cantaloupe and plant it. I didn't sow any seeds. If I'm so selfish in my own life and what I want to do with my time then those around me are never going to see me. Therefore, I can't sow seeds into them because I'm never around so that at some point that relationship's going to dry up. And we talked about that last week. Cantaloupe stewardship. 
What are you sowing into in your life? Stewardship defined as this. The position and duties of a steward, a person who acts as the surrogate of another or or others, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estate, etc. That's how, now watch this. The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. That's my life, your friend. Or that's your life, my friend. (laughs) That's funny. Think about that. The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. Every one of us in this room right now have been given life. Every one of us in this room right now, we've been given gifts and talents and we've been, God created us the way He wanted us. And what we do with that is very important because it's worth caring for and it's worth preserving. So let's, let's hop into this. Let's look at this first point. Stewardship. I'm a steward of my time. Oh boy. I got slapped around by God while I was writing this message. Because it, I've never been with anybody before that are on the deathbed saying, I wish I had more money or I wish I would have done this or that. I wish I would have had more time. We're a steward of our time. What are you doing with your time? Check this out. Psalms 90, 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Teach us to number our days so we may gain a heart of wisdom. In other words, Lord, let me do what I can with the time that you've given me so that my heart will be so connected to you. So let's start there. Are you spending time with God? Are you spending time with God? Do you spend more time watching TV than you do with God? Ooh. Sports are not included in that. Yeah. God's got, got There's a clause in there. There's, yeah. Hezekiah 4589. Yeah. <laughs> now, think about it for a second. Am I numbering my days? Do I wake up every day of my life going, you know what? This day is a gift from God. This is the day the Lord has made. What am I going to do with this day? Am I going to slouch around and do nothing? Or am I going to get on board with God's plan for my life, spend some time with Him, read my Bible, do something for somebody else, be a part of the kingdom, help move the kingdom forward, and and actually be a child of God? What am I doing with my time? I know this hurts like a dentist appointment, right? Yeah, yeah. But you'll feel better when it's over. What am I doing with my time? Because we get, we're so important. And we get so busy. And we're going here and there and this and that and over here and there. And and before we know it, I can't tell you how many times my wife and I said uh, last month, Oh, I can't believe it's 2015. Do you all say that? Why do we say that? Because time flies when you're having fun. <laughs> I hear you. Time flies. But here's the thing. We all get the same amount of minutes in a day. All of us. I was talking with my brother, and he was like, well, what did you do this morning? This is a while back. And I said, well, I got up and I rode my, I, I rode my bike to the inlet and back. It's, only, it's like 20 miles, right? 19.8 or something like that. And he said, when do you find the time to do that? 
4 a.m. We find the time to do what we want to do when we want to do it. Don't we? So, so this whole idea of but I'm a steward of my time. And so I am a steward. So God says, Jason, here's today. You got 24 hours. Here it is, buddy. There you go. It's like a gift. Because we're not promised tomorrow. So here's a gift, Jason. Here's today. And there's 24 hours in it. And so I'm going to let you decide what you do with this day. And that's the amazing thing about God. And we'll talk more about this when we get to being a steward of our eternity. He, he, we made us creatures of free choice. I get to decide what I do with my day. Well, maybe you do, but I've got to go to work. <laughs> I don't work, right? <laughs> now, yeah. What are we doing with our time? And I think for parents in this room of, of children, younger, younger children, they're about there right now hearing the Word of God. I think it's an amazing, amazing concept to teach them how to manage their time. Right? Manage your time. Because time's a gift. Ecclesiastes says this. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. Now, follow me through this. Seasons. God is a God of seasons. I'm 42 years old now. I'm only 42, Jack. (laughs) Um, And and the, the longer that I serve God and the more that I get to know God, which I feel like even though I'm a pastor, every day I get to know God more and more and more, and I learn more about God, and I learn more about myself. But there's a season for everything. God's a God of seasons. If you read the Bible, you see different seasons for different amazing people in the Bible. When we do not manage our time because we're trying to live outside the season God has us in, we grow weariness. Remember, the world's run by tired people. We're all tired. Get over it. Go to Lowe's, get a ladder, and get over it. And and you know this... Being tired is different than being weary, right? We've learned that. Weariness is a spiritual condition that takes over other areas of your life that leads you into life patterns that bring you down to a place where you don't want to be. So if I'm managing my time, if I'm not managing my time because I'm living outside of my season, at this season of my life, then what happens is, is I grow weary, Living inside, manage your, living inside your season helps you manage your time. Friday night, Raina and I, Friday's my day off, and I hardly, I never do anything on Friday, ever. I try, I do a lot, but I try not to do anything like outside a 10 mile radius of my house. <laughs> and we were looking at each other and like, you know what, we're, we're good, let's go to that lift night. And my, my friend Brad and, and, and uh, Tyler and Bob and his, Brad's new wife, Danielle, are in town. And we're like, let's, let's just go. Now, five years ago, five years ago, both my kids are still at home. They're grown now. We would have looked at each other and said, you know what? It's our day off. We're not going. And all through our life, people have looked at us and said, well, you're the pastor. Why weren't you there? I said, I was there on Sunday. Why weren't you there? <laughs> Just say it. But, but you have to learn to live within your season. And when you manage your time well, you, that's, that, they'll go hand in hand. Isn't that good? 
They go hand in hand. Raina and I are in a different season right now, so we get to do more. Because we're bored. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But, but do you hear what I'm saying? We're, st- we're all stewards of our time. Time is something that we all have to deal with every single day of our life. There's a Jack Bauer clock right back there. Sit, sits right on that thing, and it tells me when I have to shut up. Right? And if it doesn't, Eric will. Or then Raina. That's the last line of defense. Time. Time. We all deal with time. But we all live in different seasons. I'm a steward of my time, and so are you. And it's something really good to think about. Take some time, sit down, and think about what you're doing with your time. I remember when I was 17, 18 years old, I had no concept of being a steward of my time. So what I did is I just went from one thing to the next. Right? But I can look back over the last four or five years of my life and see seasons in my life where I've done the same thing. Oh, I've got to do this. Oh, I've got to run here. Oh, I've got to do this. Oh, this person emailed me. I have to go here. I have to do this. I have to do that. And never giving a thought to what God wants me to do with my time. Never giving a thought. And, and that's a really brilliant, magnificent concept. Ask God what He wants you to do with your day. Good? Number two, I'm a steward of my money. Malachi 3.10 says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store and this is, this, is, this is such a touchy subject in the church, money. All that church wants is my money. And as I've said this before, you don't go to the mall and get pissed off and say, all the mall wants is my money. I don't know if that's a great analogy or not, but it's true. God's saying to you today, right now, this very moment, test me. 20% of our church tithes. 30% of our church gives. 100% of our church eats donuts. <laughs> Here's where I'm going to go with this today. I told Raina, I was like, Raina, I hate preaching on money. She's why? Jesus talked about it all the time. It's a very important part of our life. And here's the deal. There are a lot of us in this room right now who maybe just came to know the Lord in in recent months or years, and you've never heard anybody talk to you about how to be a steward of your money. And so God's saying to us right here, hey, look, bring the whole tithe. What's a tithe? Tithe's 10%. Now, there's a lot of talk. Was the tithe law because Jesus? No, it's pre-law. Tithe goes all the way back to Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel brought a sacrifice to God, and God didn't want it because it wasn't the cream of the crop. Goes into Abram. It, it, it was it's before the law. Why do I believe in tithing? Because it's worked for me. And, I, and you say, oh, that pastor just wants my money. I don't get your money. I, have a, I get paid a salary. Right? It's set. That's what I, I, don't, hey, I love you so much. Listen to me. Don't zone out on me. Because some of you are getting uncomfortable right now. I love you so much as a pastor and a friend. I've experienced the blessings in my life of tithing. And I want you to experience that. 
I, I want you to have that. I, yeah, I, I, it's tithing. Tithing is, it's not, it's, it's obedience. I, I love when I look at my bank account and I see where we tithe. Faith is beyond the tithe. Faith is where God lays somebody on your heart after you've already given 10% that month and says, you need to bless them with something. Whether it's your gifts, whether it's your money, whether it's your food. Tithing is just something we ought to all do. So, so watch this. Come here, Anthony. Watch this. He always gets nervous when I say that. This is really heavy, so if you want to grab the other side of that. You want, okay. Do you think it'll fall? Okay. All right. So in this, I have 10 cantaloupes. Representing 100% of my income. Right? Talking about money. 100% of my resource. And so, now, I'm going to start stacking Anthony up with these cantaloupes. So, there's a... You'd be a terrible Heisman winner. You're a drummer. And a dang good one, too. Yeah, I've been around. He can definitely throw this. You got to do better than that. All right. So here's halfway through the month. We're going to go from the end of the month back. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Come on, man. You can do this. Seven. Eight, nine. So here's 90%. Why are you filming this? There you go. There's 90%. There's. Hold on. There's there's 90% of my income right there. Here's the 10%. And inside this 10% is a bunch of seeds. So we weren't created to keep all. Some of you say, I can't afford to tithe. You know why you can't afford to tithe? Is because there's a hole in your bank account because you're not tithing. That's true. Just keeps flowing out. Or you're fearful that you will never have enough because maybe you grew up. I didn't do it. All right. Drop drop a look. So when I try to take all 100%, guess what happens? Go ahead. <laughs> See when I when I try to take all when I try to take all that God's given me, I wind up with nothing. And there's more month at the end of there's more month at the end of the money. You ever live there? Yeah, you get to the end of the month and you're like, I can't pay. No, listen, I dare you. I double dog dare you. I dare you to try. I would never preach anything to you that I don't I don't believe in my heart and that I don't practice. There's a blessing. There's miracles that come with that. God, and, and I'm, I don't buy into the whole, I can't stand turn on. I turned on the TV the other day, and there was this idiot on Christian television saying, and he, he was preaching on Psalms 91. And he said, he, he was pre- and you know, Psalms 91 is awesome. But he's saying, so what you need to do is you need to sow a seed of $91. And when you sow that seed, God's going to come in and He's going to protect your family. Because Psalms 91 is about protection. I threw, I threw up in my, in my mouth, right? <laughs> so stupid. L- let's look at this next verse. 
Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. That's why we don't pass a plate here. That's why we never will. That's why we don't come out to you while we're in our worship set and put a microphone in your face. Sing! God's really going to enjoy that. We make you sing? doesn't make any sense. Giving is an act of worship to God that comes wrapped up in a present that He gives back to you in blessings, not, in, not just in money sometimes, but in every area of your life because money is so important to us, it binds us up. Tithing and giving is a trust issue. That's what that is. And when we trust God with everything, Father God, Papa Daddy says, my son's trusting me. I can work with that. So, so, Raina and I have lived this for the past 18, 19 years. I'll, t- I'll tell you a quick story. We were youth pastors in Memphis. This is just to illustrate the fact that God works in different areas when you're generous. We were youth pastors in Memphis, and we really, really, really wanted to buy a house. The area we were living in, we'd wake up every once in a while, more often than not, hear machine guns. And we always knew when the cops showed up because you'd hear, and then when the cops showed up, you'd hear, pow, pow, pow. I'm like, why don't you get them jokers some machine guns, man, <laughs> so they can fight back. So that is no, ex- I mean, seriously, we'd sit up in bed. We really, really, really wanted to buy a house. And, um, and so, I, I, how did I get to know Mike Rogers? I don't know. Maybe he came and spoke in Phoenix. So I went out to eat with my pastor and a bunch of people at pastor school in Phoenix. And I just met Mike and we talked for just a second. And so um, three weeks, four weeks later, he calls my pastor and says, would you mind if I hang out with your youth pastor? And and this guy, he's amazing. He's unbelievably amazing. Yeah. Everything he touches turns to gold, but he gives it all away. And that's why it turns to gold. Anyway, so I'm this young youth pastor. I want to buy a house. We don't have any money. Money, money. We have no money, right? But we're tithing and we're giving. And so we, he says, I'm thinking, I said, Ron, why does this guy want to hang out with me? I'm kind of nervous about this. He says, I don't know, but if I was you, I'd go. <laughs> I said, okay, I'll go. So me and Mike go to lunch, and then we go. He said, I want to see your youth facility. And so we come in there, and, and he goes, what would you like to do in here different? And I said, well, I'd love to put some trusses up. And this is back in the early 2000s when the trusses were a really big deal. You know, the industrial look. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Right? And so he goes, all right. Got on the phone, and he said, I'll have those delivered in eight days. And sure enough, eight days later, there they come. So we decked our youth. And he goes, what else are you dreaming about? We're praying. We're walking. He said, what else? I said, well, you know, and... You know, this, that, the other. Um, and the house came up. And so he goes, I'll tell you what. And he gets his checkbook out and he writes me a $5,000 check. Here you go. And I said, now, is this for the youth ministry of the church? <laughs> and he said, well, why don't you read it? And so I read it and it had my name on it. And he goes, I want you to do with that whatever you see fit to do with it. Right? And he's not a flashy guy. He's not a boisterous guy. He is boisterous at times. He's from Texas. But <laughs> Oklahoma or Texas? I can't remember. Texas, yeah. Anyway, so I called Ray and I was like, hey, I think we just got a down payment on a house. Now remember, the economy there is different than here. So 5000 bucks when you're a youth pastor is a buttload of money. <laughs> it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money today. Anyway. 
so so we're like looking for houses and doing this and doing that. And so we had this service on a Sunday night. And and Raina and I are recipients of God's blessings in our life through living a life of giving. It's a it's a brilliant way to live. So so we're having this service. And it's all it's Sunday night service. I know many of you don't know about those, but they used to happen often. Um, Sunday night service. And so every, mo, a lot of people had already left. We're linger, lingering around the altar. And I, we're worshiping and, you know, just experiencing God's presence. And it was awesome. And I leaned over to Raina and said, you need to pray. And she looked back at me because she knows when I say that, it has to, most of the time has to do with the money, right? And she goes, no, I don't have to pray. And so I left, now on staff, I left the church service, ran to my truck, because I knew if I didn't do it then, I wasn't going to do it. Ran to my truck, came back, sat down at the altar with trembling hands and wrote a check for $4,700 because we dipped into that and spent three hundred. dollars <laughs> Got to be honest. <laughs> but that was everything we had. Watch this. I took it up on stage and I gave it to Ron. Ron begins to weep. Because we, we had a vision to start some kind of, we didn't know at the time it was going to be Master's Commission, but we knew it was going to be some kind of thing that helped young people get on track with God. And we had already talked about it. And, and so I hand them this check. And there's probably, this place holds 2,500 people, and there's probably only 200 people left. So I hand him the check, and he starts crying. And so I go to leave. He goes, no, come back. And he said, I want you to tell everybody why you did this. And so I'm crying now. And Raina's crying, which that don't take much. <laughs> Watch this. And, and Ron said, you know what? We're going to start this program, and we're going to open up, open up right now. If you, want to, if you want to sow a seed in this program, you can't. Within 30 minutes, three people were saved. One person was healed. And there was $19,800 laying on the communion table. And this is on a Sunday night, after a Sunday morning tithe that already happened. Can I take credit for that? No, but I know this, that when, you're, when you give what you have, look, look at this, this next one. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up, your, up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, read this last part with me, there your heart will be also. Wow. Think, think about this with me just for a moment. Where is my treasure? Is my treasure bound up in fear and money and what I, how soon I can retire, how I can go here or there? Or am I, am I freely being a good steward of my money? Because here's what leads me to talk about this. Not only is it important every part of our life, and Jesus talked a lot about money. only thing he talked more about was hell. Heaven and hell, I should say. But here, here's the thought. If I get up here on a Sunday and I say, hey, that Christmas tree back there, we're going to put groceries under it. Or that food truck's out there, we're going to fill it with food. You guys flip out. You, you amaze me. You go and you buy food. If I say, hey, there's somebody who wants to go on a missions trip, you'll give money to missions. And so it leads me to think maybe you've never been taught about tithing. Because you're giving people. You're amazingly giving I've never been a part of a church like this where there's a need, and we're going to hear a song about this at the end of the service. There's a need, and you just jump in and fill it. It's, it's amazing to me. 
And then you look at stats that 18% of our church ties. I don't understand that. Because if we all did our part, I wouldn't have to get up here and say, we need food back there. There would be food back there. Does that make sense? God set that up on a, on a, in a way that we could understand it. And it, it's an amazing way to live, trusting God. You can cross your arms and you can look at me like you hate me. But I love you so much. I, I, I needed to say that to you today because there's such blessings in trusting God with everything that He's given us. Unbelievable blessings. Luke 21, 1-4 says it like this. Now, if you're one of those people that says, I don't believe in tithing, I think tithing is law. I don't. This scripture's for you. As Jesus looked up, He saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in... Two very small copper coins. Truly I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. Well, I think I just ought to go with the New Testament giving. Well, go get everything you got and give it away. I'm going to stick with tithing. <laughs> right, Brad? Like I, that's, that's where I'm going to land. You know, it's good to laugh, but let me just tell you again, I love you so much. I'm your pastor, and I'm a lot of your friends, hopefully. And there is an amazing, amazing, amazing freedom that breaks loose in your marriage, in your life, in your kids. It's unbelievable. It just it like opens up this whole new realm of your relationship with God. So I dare you. Last thing. I'm a steward of my own eternity. John 3.36 says, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God, God's wrath remains on them. One of the most amazing things that I find in God is that He created me to make my own choices. We talked about this a little bit last week. So, if people were like, well... Why don't God just make everybody go to heaven? Well, if He made you go to heaven, heaven would be a boring place. I think I used this illustration in one of the services last week. If I made Raina go on date night with me, it wouldn't be a great date night. If she called me and she said, Honey, I'm feeling kind of bad, and I'm, I'm feeling sick in my stomach. Can we just not do date night tonight? We do date night every Wednesday night. We don't go anywhere. But it's just time that we share together. I would encourage you married couples in here to carve out that time. It's, you know, you're a steward of your time. Well, I don't have time to have a date with my wife. Well, you might have a wife in a few years. <laughs> Just saying. But God made us these creatures a free choice. And God did, did not create it where we had to love Him. He created us where we get to love Him. And if you take that into the idea of eternity, we get to choose where we're going to spend eternity. Now, if you're here today, you say, Jason, I believe when we die, nothing else happens. Well, you know what? I don't believe that because I believe this Bible. And we've purposed at our church, we're, we'll, we'll sit down, we'll talk with you, we'll pray with you, but we're never going to argue that this Bible is perfect. There's a massive movement right now to start taking parts of the Bible that are right, that are wrong. Well, this, that was just a metaphor. That was just an allegory. That was just this or that. This book is perfect. It's life. It's God-breathed. And, and we'll always stick to that. So, my Bible tells me that I'm going to spend eternity somewhere. And it also tells me 
that the only way that I can spend eternity with God, my Creator, the one that created me to spend eternity with me, is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. So I get to choose that. Now, I can't choose that I'm going to be perfect tomorrow because I'm incapable of being perfect. Right? Just ask Raina. She'll tell you in a heartbeat. I can't choose tomorrow to not sin. I can choose to do everything I can to not sin, but I'm, I'm humanity. And so if you're here today, you're like, you know what? I'm not worthy of God's attention for eternity because my life's a wreck right now. We're all a wreck. We're a beautiful mess. Don't ever come in this building and look across at somebody else and say they have it all together. You don't know what's going on in their life. None of us have it all together. But we're all on a journey trying to get to a place where we can impact our community, impact uh, the kingdom of God for His glory. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Those last words right there, if you're new to church, God's wrath, that, that right there is simply you not deciding to follow Jesus and put your faith in Jesus. God's not mad at you. If God was mad at you, you would be a pile of dust right now. Do y'all remember the comics? Do you remember that? I squish your head. Do you remember the show your age? It was on H. Yeah, I squish your head. <laughs> something about boys in a hall or something. I can't remember. What it is. I better stop there because that could have been pre-Christ, and I don't know. <laughs> you guys will go Google that today, like Pastor Jason. God, God's wrath. God's wrath is not God's anger towards you. I want you to hear this. And if you love the Lord and you're saved, I want you to hear this so you can share it with somebody because God's going to open a door for you to do that. God's wrath was put in, in motion when Adam and Eve sinned and sin came upon humanity. God's wrath... Don't ever listen to somebody saying, well, that's happening to you because God's mad at you. No. God's not mad at you. He loves you so much He gave His only Son. God's wrath was put in motion, and that wrath is only going to be seen in eternity. And you are here today in this chair, and you have an opportunity to withdraw yourself from the wrath of eternity, a place called hell, which is a very real place, by believing in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, by putting your faith. Salvation is a faith issue, putting your faith in Jesus as the true Son of God. Whoever believes shall be saved. It's not that complicated. Look at, look at this next scripture. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. In other words, that's, a, that's the I'm crossing over from God's wrath to God's blessing, from God's wrath to eternity in bliss, to a place that, that the streets are paved with gold. I don't... If you study that right there, let's talk about that for a second. If you study that right there, the word gold is not as we understand it. The word gold in its original text is the most precious thing we can imagine. So you get to kick your shoes off and walk on, play. Oh, we don't have time to get into heaven right now. We do have time to get into heaven, but we don't have time to really explore heaven. Think about this. Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my words and believes in him who has sent me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. Religion will screw your mind up. 
If you're here today and you're like, wait a minute, I thought I had to do this and that and this and that and this and that to make God happy and to spend eternity with God in heaven. I had to give this and do that and serve here and do this. All those things are great. And on your journey, you'll do some of them. On your journey, you'll go on some missions trips. On your journey, you'll learn to trust God with everything He's given you. But if you want to be a steward of your eternity, that's just a faith issue. Because I don't know what you've been taught and how confused you are on the idea of heaven and hell. But the bottom line is, Jesus made it so plain all throughout the Bible. This is all you have to do. And thus starts your journey. You are a steward of your eternity. And right now, you get a chance to decide what you're going to do with that eternity. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Say, Jason, that's me. That's me sitting in this chair right now. And I heard what you said about time and I heard what you said about money. But right now, I'm more concerned with where I'm going to spend eternity. Right now, I'm more concerned with my relationship with God. And maybe you're here today, just like people every week come through these doors and you say, you know what? I need to make that choice. I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. I I need to be saved. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. If that's you and you're here today and you say, Jason, I'm not at peace with God and I know the only way I can be with peace with God is in my heart to put my faith in Jesus. Would you slip your hand up real quick? I see your hand. Thanks. I see your hand. Thanks. Anyone else? I need you. I see your hand. That's awesome, dude. You can put it right back down. Anyone else? I need to know Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. Don't want to rush this and don't want to miss anybody. I need Jesus in my life. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. I need to be a good steward of eternity in my life right now. I need to do that. If you raised your hand right there where you're sitting right now, you've already took the greatest step of having faith. But right where you're sitting, I want to pray a prayer with you. Nothing magical about this prayer. You're just confessing in your heart. You're just confessing is all you're doing. Pray this prayer with me. And when we're done today, would you please go out to the tent, get a Bible, get some information about being baptized. There's some people out there that would love to hang out and talk with you. But if you prayed that, you raised your hand, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me. And thank you that I'm in this place today because you love me so much you sent your only son to die for me. Father, I believe in my heart right now. I'm confessing in my heart. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. That Jesus Christ was born of a virgin. That Jesus Christ is the true son of God. That Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. That Jesus Christ took my death and sin on the cross. And I believe with all my heart Jesus Christ was placed in a grave and he rose from that grave on the third day. And he's in heaven today praying for me. He's going to come back for me one day. I believe that. I am confessing that in my heart right now. God, thank you that your word says that I'm being made into a new creation right now. And your love and your grace and your mercy are flooding my soul. I receive forgiveness of my sins, God, because what you did for me. Not because I deserve it, because you love me so much. So Lord, help me to have the boldness to go out and get a Bible. God, somebody brought me here today, so help me to have the boldness to tell them and confess about my my new life. But above all, God, thank you for your love over me. It's in Jesus' name we pray.
Amen.